This is the Reluctant Leader Podcast, the podcast designed to help you if you've landed a leadership role through no fault of your own and now need to find out what you should be doing. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and have been there and know what it feels like and made all the mistakes. In each episode, I'll be getting to grips with a leadership topic by interviewing an expert in their field. You'll find out why they do what they do and take away some top tips you can use to become a more confident leader. For more content and to keep in touch with how the project is developing, go to www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. If you have any comments about the episode, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. So let's crack on with the show. Today I'm talking to Marita Price. Marita is a leadership and workplace culture specialist. She worked internationally at a senior level in FMCG corporations before setting up Hello Performance in 2014. She has lived in five different countries with seven years spent in the gender diverse cultures of Scandinavia. With a passion, enthusiasm, skill and constructive approach, Marita helps companies improve their culture to achieve real sustainable results. Hope you enjoy this chat we had about values and I'll catch you all on the other side. Marita, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Hi, Mark. Um, we have um, had this in the diary for some time, and I've really been looking forward to it, actually, because I've seen you talk about this subject, um, values, and the importance of it within the workplace. So I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. But before we get into that, um, as I ask all my guests, why do you do what you do, and what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path? Great, great question. Uh, so what all about values and culture is really what we are majorly passionate about. And I th- when I think back on what was the pivotal, I think there was three pivotal moments that directed me in the direction. The first one was my first job out of uni where I went and worked in a most toxic environment where the leader would literally shout at us and I was actually thinking he could hit us at any time. Um, I was new out of college, didn't really know what I should be doing. Um, And that really convinced me, I do not ever want to work in a place like this. The next one was, is when I became a manager and I had, uh, it was uh, in Europe, I had a great team. And when I moved there first, you know, that first few months where you're trying to get settled in and suss out who's who, what's going on. There was one girl who worked for me And she was super quiet and would come in, do her job fantastic. She was working in a lab, hardly said a word, didn't disrupt much, did a fantastic job and left. And she worked next to a woman who was what I worked out to be a real bully. And when I got my feet on the ground in this new position, I realized this woman needs to leave, that she was quite poisonous in the the environment. And when we moved on that woman and uh, we left her go, this other lady started to thrive. And I saw that actually what she needed was the right space, the right environment, the right uh, encouragement, actually. And I found out that she was coming more and more of herself. But I, I asking, through asking her questions and really using that kind of coaching style, I discovered that she had... Her own blocker was that she believed that she couldn't go any further in the organization because she believed she needed a university degree and she didn't have one. She left in high school. So we dismantled that belief and that lady has just thrived. 
she is now working at a high level in that organization. And it's magic, magic to see. And she came back to me later and said, you know what? I left at that very same time that you convinced me that I could be more than I am now. I left a, a really difficult marriage. And I realized that as managers, we have so much influence on the people who work for us. And if we give them the space, they can thrive, not only in their, their workplace, but also in their private life. And it was a massively moving moment for me. And I went on to, um, it, that was my moment going, I want more managers and leaders to feel this. So then my third moment was when I was doing leadership coaching, doing one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching, getting my passion across to get these managers to, to create thriving environments. And I realized in one situation, I had a great, great guy. I could see he was a fantastic manager, but I was putting him back in to his own in working environment, which was quite toxic. And I realized that actually a person can be as great a manager as they can be, but if they're working in that wrong environment, they cannot thrive. So more and more, I started to move into saying, right, what can I do about organizations and how can I make organizations be places where people love to work? It's great to work and they love working there and then they thrive and, it, and the business results come when that happens. So that's where I ended up working in culture. It was a really a, a step from being in the work environment to having that moment to being a manager, having a real moment on the ground in an operations world having that moment and realization how important managers are and leaders and then moving into, into the culture world. So there was actually mm -hmm. three pivotal moments, Mark. It was a really good question. I had to ask myself, how did I <sighs> end up working here? <sighs> that's, a, that's a really great answer. And, and what I've realized is when I ask this question to most of my guests, um, we are either inspired by bad behavior or we're inspired by good behavior there's just one or the other and that's what spurs us to take action if one you know we either want to emulate somebody or we want to you know do something to prevent you know something bad that's we've experienced happening again and that seems to be a reoccurring theme which is um, which is interesting so uh, thank you for that um and we are today going to be talking about values um, and I think the first question I, I, I think I need to ask you is um, why, why, do them, why do they matter? Why do values matter? Well, if we take a step back and think about the, the, the culture, and culture is, um, I, th I think, becoming more and more recognized as a critical part of, of, of business and businesses. There is, a, there is a research from Harvard that says companies with strong cultures are... 765% more profitable over 10 years. Um, and then you have to question what is a, a, a strong culture or a thriving culture. And when you break that down, and culture is a very hard thing to define actually. Culture is what actually is it? It's to get words around it is, is really difficult. Um, and that's where you need to break it down into things that we can actually capture and, 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 and work on. Because culture is really like, it's, it's the way we do things around here. Or it's that feeling you get when you walk into the office. It's, it's, it's how people behave. It's how they talk. It's the beliefs that they have. So it's really hard to actually define what is culture. So then to break it down to say, right, what would be the components that create that 
that enigmatic word that we have, this cultural word, is then you break it down. And that is the critical part. Values being the base, your beliefs, the language, and the people. They are the four components for me of, of, um, of, of culture. And values is the base. So I always um, like to use the, the analogy of the garden. And every garden is different. Like every company is different. And the soil is your values. And you're, this, it's pretty solid what soil you have. You can go out and test it and know exactly what, what values you have. You can go out and test what soil you have. And you can tweak that soil, but you can't majorly change it. What you can change is the behaviors related to that. And for me, that's the plants that you plant then. And you plant your flowers and your trees. What are those behaviors? How does that value translate into your everyday life, everyday meetings, how people are treating each other, talking to each other? Um, and you have to weed out the, the ones that are unhelpful and you nurture the ones that are really valuable and bring value to the business and are going to bring you in the direction you want to bring. So, but the values is the, is the base. What do, who are we? What are we noticed for being? Uh, another really nice question is what are our, what are our successful habits? Um, what distinguishes us from our competitors? Uh, another gorgeous one is, um, oh, uh, what makes us work at our best? And that's really questions trying to pull out what is really valued here in this organization. Yeah, well, that, that's some great questions there. Because I think um, um, putting from a, a, a leader's perspective that maybe hasn't really delved into this in, in too much detail, they might be thinking, well, okay, where do I start? Uh, and, you know, with, with all the other things that are going on with the day-to-day, -day, where do I start with this? And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, the, you know, if you're going to lead a team, the first thing you've got to think about is what your personal values are. So, so it, 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 I would say that they impact the values. It, it depends. So for, if you're, let's take the different, because it depends on what size of business you have as well. Mm -hmm. If you're a sole trader, if you're the main part of the business, um, your personal values are going to be massively reflected in the business you create because it's your business. So it reflects you. So that's the real start if you, are, if you have your own businesses, what are your own personal values? And they will be generally reflected massively in the company. And, uh, and, and really, when, if you think of a small company where there is one to five, starts changing maybe around the eight to 12, but one to five, the people in that are creating the culture. They are deciding what culture they have. They're deciding if it's fun, if it's optimistic, if it's a positive one, if it's enthusiastic, if they're, they're aiming for growth, if they're aiming for excellence. They are deciding what is, is valuable for them. Then there is a tipping point where the culture starts dictating how the people behave. And that tipping mm -hmm. point is really different for different companies. Um, you, it can be at 12, it can be at 20, and a culture will form whatever you do. So 
you, there's a lovely saying going, you can either choose to shape it and influence it or take your chances. And I love that saying. It's like, right, take what we want to keep from our, when we were a small um, little family company um, together. And I mean, family in a, there's five of us around and we act like a family here. Um, and how do we take that forward into when we start to, to grow and what do we want to keep and what do we new, maybe newly have to create? What is going to be our aspirational culture? Um, to, to perform at this bigger, higher level with uh, bigger goals and, and more people. But going back to the beginning, yeah, your personal goals, you have to know yourself before you can see how you influence any other per- person. Critical. And that's where, one of, as you know, Mark, being a coach, that's one of the first things you start with in, in one-to-one coaching is what do you value? What are your personal values? And knowing that is hugely beneficial for making decisions, helping others, really, really valuable and I, I guess if you thought about it, if you have or haven't thought about this then you have instilled some sort of values you've you instinctively have some values that you live by um whether you've written them down or whether you consciously uh, have are aware of them you have some values and it's amount of like you said earlier it's about just bringing them out and and, and making a note of the ones that are, are beneficial maybe the things that we need to do more of things we do less of as we grow and that, that is a big challenge isn't it as businesses grow as you've already alluded to that's the challenge isn't it to keep those values strong and i suppose one of the ways you can do that is to obviously write them down and make sure that everyone's aware of them. But is there any other ways that you can actually get the message out that's really effective? So as you said, Mark, the first is actually just getting it defined, getting mm. it defined. And the, when you're talking about the personal values, one of the easiest questions to ask is, what makes you angry? What really upsets you? And that tells you something that is really strong within yourself. It's a really easy question. Three seconds and you'll be... Um, and that is giving you an indication of if you turn that around, what is really valuable to you um, and what you really... Actually, not valuable, but what you really value. Mm. Uh, and then translating that into when you have a business and a, and a company, you start with... Um, a, a, the culture will form with the, with the people that you are hiring and you will be... Um, uh, you will feel that the, the people that you are bringing in should reflect the values and probably you do it unconsciously at the beginning. If you then, as your team starts to grow, what is really critical is communicating that to the people so that they also know what, being very clear on what is valued in this, in this organization or this company. So getting it written down and literally a brainstorming session of 20 minutes can, can majorly bring you to a closer to what your values are. Um, writing them up, yeah. yellow stickies up on the wall, grouping them together. Yeah. The real test then, Mark, I always say is great. You've done the brainstorming and you've worked out what, you're, what, you, what's really value, what you really value. The real test then is, if when you hit a crisis and a really pressurized moment, can you live by those values? That really, really tells you. So a lovely uh, um, example is uh, I worked for a company and then critical was that quality came first. Quality came first. But the minute the pressure was on for delivery, 
that would get pushed aside and they'd say, just get the stuff out the door. <laughs> so were we really living by that value? No. And since I was the quality manager at the time, this was immediately disheartening for me. I'd be like, no, but we said we'd put quality first. Um, so we weren't living by the value. And then that is a real test on what you, you value and holding us strong to, to that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, I, that uh, example is a great one because when we set up, we set up a business to do a certain thing in a certain way. But obviously then once we set up, we are straight away, we have some you know, competition out there that want to do the same as us with the same sort of clients. And it's very difficult sometimes to actually stick to that, you know, that ethos that we set out to do because you want to compete. And if, you know, if price comes into it, then it's very difficult to actually just ignore it because, you know, it's, it's a competitive world out there and you want to obviously make the most of, of what you're doing and serve as many people. But I suppose if you are really, really clear on your values, um, you won't let them fall, you know, won't let them slip. And it's, it's, it's really important. Well, I wasn't it's actually, a real test. Sorry, uh, yeah, it's a real test, Mark, a real yeah. test. Yeah, I yeah. love the example of when, I w we were starting out here in, in, in my business and we were, of course, we're values and culture. Our values are so defined and we're so strong. Mm -hmm. And I got an up. One of our values is really that we have to bring value, that we won't do anything that doesn't bring value to our customer. Um, and uh, early on, when there wasn't a lot of money and I got a, gourd, a fantastic offer to do a, um, a work in a company, um, to do some uh, coaching and uh, work around culture. But I could see the CEO wasn't con convinced. And I could see that whatever we were going to do was not going to change anything in there. Um, and the manager that brought us in was not the CEO. It was a manager um, a, a layer down. And he, um, he was really anxious for us to come in. And I said, not until we have the commitment. I have to say no, even though I was etching for it because I really needed to pay the mortgage next month. And I was like, no, stick to your values, stick to your values. But that manager, Mark, who wanted me in, who could see the value, left that company because it didn't fit his values, moved to another company. And he called me and asked me to come in. Because he said, I trust that what you're going to do is going to bring value. And I went, mm. yes, yes, thankfully. Yeah, Fantastic. and I think, uh, you know, when you've not really stuck to your values, because once you've completed some work, it doesn't feel quite, you know, you don't feel comfortable with it, do you? You think something, no. you know, you might not be able to put your finger straight on it, but you know there's something that you didn't feel quite comfortable about. And I think that's a good check-in with anybody that's just completed something. Does it feel right? Is there something that's not quite right? And, and investigate that and, and make a note of it for future when future, you, you know, yeah. start some, yeah, some new work. And I've for, and for, sorry, Mark. Yeah, you, sorry, you, carry Mark on, um, you carry on. And thinking about, you know, that's business owners. And, and if you think about managers in, in businesses and, and um, running a department in, in a business, sometimes you're asked to do stuff and you can feel that gut that is saying, mm, this doesn't feel right. And that's when you know that what you're being asked to do is really against your, your values. Mm -hmm. yeah. I made a note here, to actually, just to go back to what you were just talking about, was actually about noticing when good behaviours and, you know, good values and, and, new, and, and behaviours that are in line with our values to make sure that we're um, reaffirming and, and making sure that when those things are happening, 
that they are noticed. I was doing a, um, a, a talk yesterday and it was something I always talk about is catching people do things right. So when you're in a leadership position, if you set these values out, when you notice them happening, it's, it's really uh, important um, to highlight them and, and make sure that you have noticed and feedback what you've noticed, isn't it? Oh, you've just summarized our entire culture program, Mark, there in <laughs> two minutes. And, and I don't think I ever even walked you through what we, what we do. And you have just hit on the point. So we would say there is really five key things or five key stages that we run in our culture program. And we say, right, first is define your, your, your vision. Where are you going? Make sure you know the direction you're going. What are your values? What do you value? And then the critical thing, thing there, because you mentioned it, is the behavior. So turning that into, it's great to say, um, oh, be oh, uh, open and honest, and I value excellence. But what does that actually mean on a day-to-day? When I'm in a meeting together with the, uh, the team, what does that actually mean? How, how are we going to see that show up on an everyday interaction? Um, so an example to, to, to bring it down to reality is Netflix have uh, issued um, or published their culture deck on, um, on the internet. And they have one of their values is, is honesty. But they, and, and what we help companies do is bring that to the next step. And what does that mean? Because what honesty means to one person is very different to what honesty needs to another person. So they define four key behaviors they would expect to see. like. You only say things about your fellow employees that you would say to their face. That's brilliant. You are quick to admit your mistakes. That's really measurable. And as you were saying, Mark, then you can give the feedback around that. So when someone is quick to admit the mistake, you're like, there, you are living the value and you are showing the behaviors that we want to see. Fantastic. You only say things about fellow employees you would say to their face. So you're, you're making sure people are talking direct. Fantastic. Um, and that behavior then is, is the next stage is feedback. And one of the key things that we, it's the most difficult thing people find if you ask, and I have asked in, I would say, a number of countries internationally, what, is the, what are the difficult conversations you need to have? Feedback is one of them. And training, yeah, training people on how to give feedback is one thing. So giving them the tools. The other key thing for me is training people how to receive feedback because we're all great to go find the issues with what actually the person is saying. Um, so giving the feedback, receiving the feedback, and then around those behaviors. Because if you have that, you have an organic culture. People are feeding back to people. They're telling them, are you living by those people? Are you quick to admit your mistakes? Are you only saying things about your fellow employees that you would say to yourself? It's measurable. You can feed back to people. And then you can hire around that. You can promote around that. You retain staff around that because they trust the organization because they are living, they're doing what they say they're going to do. And you can also fire staff based on it. Mm. And, that, and that's, yeah. a, that's a critical thing, isn't it? Once you have things written down, when you come to that situation when you've got to have that difficult conversation, rather than making it it's, me, it's between me and you, you can actually say it's not between me and you, it's between me and us. It's the, it's the values that are, being, uh, are not being stuck to here and that's why we're having this conversation rather than I'm having a conversation because I don't like what you've done. You can clearly point out that this, this behaviour is not what we want to see uh, in line with our values. Exactly, exactly. And that yeah. is so much more, more powerful because then you take out the, uh, the, the personal part of it 
um, and people are more receptive to the feedback when it's not involving the person's opinion. Yeah. Um, it's based on fact, you yeah. know, it's based on this is what we expect. So the mm. critical thing in there is then um, is, is, is that part of taking those values, which can be just words on a wall in a lot of companies and actually turning that into everyday behaviors we would expect to see. What does that, and the, quiz, the quickest question is say, what does that word mean to me? What would I expect to see? If I was telling a new employee what that word meant to me, how would I explain it? There you go. You've just defined it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was just, and again, I was just going back to what you, you said a little bit earlier about um, things that make you angry. And I was, I was yesterday. I was watching something on the local news, and they were having a. It was about a, an airport which was expanding, and the local residents were uh, unhappy because um, the, the aircraft were getting closer to their properties. And you know, it was obvious that anyone living there would be unhappy about this. Um, and you think, okay, so they then go. That we're going to have a quick chat with the boss of the air, of the airport, and um, but that interview with the airport owner or sort of the CEO, um, straight away when you had that conversation, I felt that he wasn't being genuine. I didn't think that he was actually addressing what he would have expected if that was one of his, you know, someone that he knew well that was living next to the airport and wasn't really taking their values and uh, what was important to them into consideration and being honest and upfront in a, in a, in a conversation. And I just thought this person is not, you know, living up to anything that really is genuine. Uh, and it, it just makes you feel a bit sort of like, you know, empty mm. and feel, you, know, you don't really connect with a person. You can tell when all they're doing is putting on a face of, Oh, this is the corporate face I'm putting on. Um, and, and that's the, you know, it's a sad situation to have to be in and I'd feel for the guy, but you know, the, the message that he's given out is that, you know, we, we don't really care. And at the end of the day, I'm running an airport. These people are yes, complaining, but you know, I'm not really going to take much notice, but just by listening to a, a conversation, you can actually pick that up from someone and you, and that, that does, you know, it, it, it makes a big difference to the way you treat someone, doesn't it? I mean, does that make oh, sense? Massive. Yeah. And I call it the genuine detector. We all yeah. have it. We all yeah. have it. We know so well, we sit there and go, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> a bit of BS coming in there maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't, you know, mm, uh, and we do, we all have that genuine detector. We have it in our back pocket and we can feel it. We can see it in the faces we are. And there's a subconscious, we're subconsciously trained to be able to tell if people are being, are being genuine. And what's that building up? It's building up the trust. And, and imagine if that was your leader, Mark, or of, of your mm -hmm. organization or your manager, you know, that, is that trust building or is it, is it coming down? You know, they, they, there's the, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the employee engagement figures being thrown around that 70% are uh, not engaged or disengaged mm. um, uh, in, the, in the workplace, which is a shocking figure, um, which tells us only 30% of employees are actively engaged. Uh, and I think it's really those, it's those small interactions every day that really decide whether we switch off or, or don't switch on or switch off. You know, if I'm going to make a suggestion and my manager doesn't listen to me, doesn't respect me, I'm going to switch off really fast. Like you were listening to that guy yesterday, Mark. Mm -hmm. He decided there and then, hmm, do I trust him? Not really. 
you know, it's more about being, you, you want to be respected, you want to be listened to, um, but you're deciding there and then whether to trust him and whether to, to switch off. Mm, yeah, and, and it is it is a, almost like a subconscious thing that happens. And, you know, if you're thinking about how do I define my values, think about, you know, that's really a good way of um, checking in with something that what makes you really cross and then think, well, what was happening there that made me cross and then write it down and think, right, okay, that's something I need to live by. And I want my business or my team to live by that value. And, and I want to instill that and bring it in so that, you know, everybody behaves in that way or doesn't behave in that way that way and i love the example so for one of my personal values is uh treat everyone equally Mm -hmm. so um in this uh company that i worked in 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 sweden i saw where um one of them the uh, my colleagues a very nice um, colleague of mine would treat the um, person who cleaned the corridors and then came in and cleaned her office and i heard how he spoke to her and it absolutely twisted me inside. I could f- feel the steam coming out my ears because for me, you don't treat people at, because of their role, you know, judging people or treating them differently because of what they do or any, you treat people equally. You treat the CEO the same as the cleaning person, the same as the X, Y, Z. Um, so I had to, I took a deep breath. Calm down first, because I knew if I went and spoke to him, then things would go awry. Um, so, and then I went and had a word and, and had to explain to him how it made me feel um, when I heard him speak like that. And it opened his eyes a little bit. Um, so what, what we're talking about here is a lot about, you know, our standards of behavior, isn't it? And, and the principles that we live by. Uh, and then if we can instill what we believe in as a leader, uh, that into our team, then that's going to make us feel better. And, you know, if we can encourage that behavior, uh, it, it's all for the good, not just for our well-being. It's actually should hopefully ultimately make us more productive. Just, you know, that, that's the okay. idea. Yeah. Makes us more productive. The team know how they should be behaving. You can achieve the, the goals based on those behaviors. It's much easier to give feedback. It's much easier to do performance reviews. And, and, and you are creating a very transparent environment for everyone to work in. Mm, great stuff. Mm. Okay, well, sadly, sadly, time is running out on us. Oh, my God. Uh, I know, I know. We 30 need a minutes, much longer but... session, Mark. We could <laughs> stay talking all day about culture. I, I know, and, and, and that's the thing. Um, but these, these podcasts are designed to have, you know, just to highlight some issues and not to go into too much detail. Um, and hopefully this will inspire listeners to maybe look into a bit more and obviously check in with you and me if they want some help with that. Um, but before yes. we, before we, um, we finish off completely, uh, we always finish off with three top tips. Um, and hopefully you can leave us something to inspire us um, with those three top tips. I would, my top tips, now there's pressure. My top tips, top three. The first one I would recommend is to ask three questions. And those questions would be, what is your favorite characteristic in this company? What would you tell a friend about our company if they were about to work here? And what's the one thing you would most like to change about the company? The second thing I would recommend is just listen to the answers. Do not interrupt. Just listen, because there you would just take it in, say thank you, and go away. 
Do not try to negotiate and discuss. Just take it away. And I would ask all my team or my staff those questions. I would then say, define your values with your, with your team. Get those yellow stickies out. Have a brainstorm. Ask those questions that we asked earlier. We are noticed for being some of the successful habits we are. Um, are. What distinguishes us from our competitors? What makes us work at our best? Stick up all those yellow stickies. Group them together and get some base for your, your values. And then turn them into behaviors. What does that actually mean on a day-to-day? -day? And my third one is go and give someone feedback today. And make it positive feedback. Fabulous. Five for, I always say five for every one. You should be given five positives for every constructive type one you're giving. Yes. Five to one. And, 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 and from a genuine place that you're not doing it just yeah. so you have to do it. So yeah, absolutely. Great, great advice there, Marisa. And um, as I said, it's sad that it's, it's come to an end, but thank you very much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a pleasure, Mark. And I hope to see you again and maybe have another conversation like this. Um, but, but in the meantime, I wish you a good day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment to leave a review. Don't forget to check out The Reluctant Leader Project at www.thereluctantleader.co.uk. Make a note to start, stop or continue doing whatever struck a chord in this episode. And until next time, be the best you can be.